chug it, chug it, chug it. No chugging, because then I'll just belch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes I do that, even though I haven't been drinking. To be fair. That is true. I thought about bringing wine, but I opted for just pounding an iced coffee right before I shut myself in the closet. That is also always a great strategy. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you won't be bouncing off the walls inside that closet. I am excited, (laughs) I have to say. I hope that you just bounce from, like, wall to wall to wall and it makes, like, a ping pong sound. A little too big for a ping pong sound, I think, but (laughs) this is... I wanted to be in a closet because you two talk about being in a closet and I'm in like a creepy closet with a crawl space, but that also adds to the excitement. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. You never know what will happen. Wow. Sounds like your closet has a little more character than ours. <laughs> yep. I have to say it's kind of strange to be talking to you because I don't think I've actually like spoken real words to you in what like six years yeah the last time i saw you you had stopped at my apartment both of you were at my apartment when you were going to san antonio in when i was at um lancaster theological seminary so i'm not sure when that was but i graduated in 2017 so yeah it would have been like 16 that we went that's what i thought it was the weekend that the grabbing by the pussy tape leaked because I remember we were sitting at dinner talking about that. So it was right before the 2016 election. What fond memories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we've all lived probably 20 lifetimes between then and now. <laughs> right. So much has happened. Yeah, it's a strange world. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Well, if you're listening at home and you hear a third voice... We are joined today by an extra special guest who really put in the work to be here today. (laughs) She did. This is Gabrielle Kennedy, a.k.a. Gabby. Or a.k.a. Brielle Kennedy. Maybe we'll start a new nickname for you on this podcast, Gabby. I've literally never gone by that ever, but (laughs) my dad calls me Gabri. Oh, okay. But I prefer variations of Gabby, such as Gibby, Gubby, Grubby, Grabby. Anything like along that spectrum is is my is my favorite. I don't know if in today's Me Too landscape anyone wants to be known as Grabby, but you do you. If, you were, if I was in your closet, Cody, I would be grabbing you. But oh my! On the shoulder. <laughs> I didn't consent be... to this. Thank God I'm the HR department here. <laughs> But yeah, Gabby was my very first best friend, and then we all went to high school together. But she is a huge fan of the HBO Max, Mm -hmm. right? HBO Max series, Our Flag Means Death, which I was just telling everyone I finished about seven minutes ago, (laughs) probably 15 minutes ago now. Um, But yeah, so we're going to talk about that today. Yes, we certainly are. I am so appreciative. Just after watching Our Flag Means Death, I immediately reached out to Elena and Cody because I had sort of become acutely obsessed with Televisionary after listening to all of the episodes (laughs) in a very short period of time because it took me so long to like get on the bandwagon. And at the same time, I was watching Our Flag Means Death and I loved it so much that I was just like... I had this, I would say that some of my obsession has, like, ebbed a little bit, but I had, like, this very intense, like, obsession for a period of, like, four weeks, and I was just like, please, talk to me about this! So, it's crazy, though, that I had 
written up kind of my synopsis that I have for today three months ago, almost. So it's like, but at the same time, it means like the show's gotten a lot more exposure. And I think it's probably at the point, like with the way that streaming goes now, like people can just consume so much media. I feel like it's kind of good that we're putting this out there because it's probably already gotten buried by so many other things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I can spread the love hopefully to a few more people. And I spread it to both of you, so I'm excited to hear what you thought of it and all that jazz. Yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day with, like, the way shows are released now and then also the way, like, online communities and, like, niche communities form online because all I keep seeing on TikTok is Ink Masters-related <laughs> content. Like, I, it's just, like, every time I get on, I see a new video about Ink Masters, and I actually, like, looked up the numbers like those episodes, the their original like viewership numbers when they first aired often got less views than the TikToks coming out like 15 years later about <laughs> those episodes. And it's just kind of wild to think about like how these shows like can get a second life and like all these people can find each other. And I do think Our Flag Means Death really does have that feel of a show that maybe people aren't watching like not everyone's watching it right now but it does feel like it's going to become a cult show to me i think it has like a lot of that energy to it and humor to it so yeah i don't know cody i haven't even really heard your thoughts on the show did you enjoy it i did enjoy it i thought it took a couple of episodes to like really kind of establish all of its characters and to find its style of humor maybe i i didn't think it was bad at first but i definitely appreciated it more as it went along i think it's just a very unique show in the way it presents its humor and like the situations that it finds humor in and everything like that because it I think we've seen the sort of comedy about pirates kind of idea before, of, you know, a bunch of grubby guys just on a ship doing pirate things. But this doesn't feel the same way to me as a lot of that kind of stuff. It's a lot more just nuanced, I think, and there's so much complexity in the characters and their relationships with each other and their, you know, backgrounds, the, the things you learn about them along the way that have shaped them, and it's just very cool in that way that I wouldn't have expected that, I guess, in the first couple of episodes, um, the way that it sort of evolves throughout the course of that first season. And it has been renewed for a second season now, so exciting that I think we'll get to see even more of that evolution occur, and I'm excited for what season two will bring. Whenever it was announced that the season two was going to be coming out, I was so happy because it seemed really uncertain. You two know I was sending you like anxiety text messages about it, and like, <laughs> and you were kind of like, it's okay, like it, it'll happen, and like it's just gonna take a while. And it was good to have you like know a little bit more about how how that kind of works as far as like what the networks or whatever are doing but it feels like for me as someone who like really loved the show and like latched on that it's kind of like mm, I'm gonna have to wait like over a year until the second season comes out and so that feels like forever but I thought it was interesting too that they're moving production from LA to New Zealand oh I didn't know that so I was just like that's interesting yeah and I saw like an article that was talking about filming on the boat 
and how like the um basically the equipment that they used to simulate the sea behind them like actually worked well enough that it made them feel seasick whenever they were on the set that's crazy so i wanted to rewatch the whole thing i watched it four times in a row whenever i first oh wow yeah whenever i first saw it and it wasn't like i just sat and like watched it it was like i would be like folding laundry you know or something and like watching it but i just had to like and I've had that experience before whenever um, like the Hamilton film came out like the summer in 2000 what it was 2020 I guess Mm -hmm. like I watched that like over and over and over again so sometimes I just have that reaction to things particularly Mm -hmm. musicals so this was maybe the first time I've had that reaction to a tv show but yeah I rewatched the first episode and I could see in the background like I was like oh the ocean is fake and like I had never thought about that you know in any of the other ones because they do like long shots that are very like obviously they're beautiful but they're obviously like cgi you know in some form but then i could see the sea in the background and i was like oh it's not real so (laughs) it was fun to watch it though and like notice something different like even watching the first the pilot again the second time there was like just this bit where like steed is like showing them around the boat and one of the things that he says they like open a door and there's like animal sounds and he's like non-humans and i just (laughs) didn't even ever notice that before you know so it's just funny how like I think anything's like that, but they're, like, those little details. I would really like to watch it again. Like, I I had such a hard time because I actually sat down to watch the pilot a long time ago, like, when you first told me about it. And the pilot just, like, really didn't do it for me. I was like, oh, my God, there's no way I'm going to get through this show. And for me, it didn't even take a few episodes. Like, today I watched it, and five minutes into the second episode, I was like, oh, I love this show. Mm. But, like, the first episode just, like, I don't know. It just, it was, and I feel that way about some other pilots, but it just wasn't quite as charming to me as the rest of the series ended up being. And there were two main things that stood out to me while I was watching it. One, it reminded me a lot of the Hulu series The Great. I don't know if Mm. you've watched that, Gabby. No, not yet. But I am interested. I I heard you talk about it before. Yeah, it's like the humor is kind of similar. And I think because they're both like period pieces that are like so obviously taking liberties with like what a period piece is and just like kind of talking in this mix of old timey language with like vibes and like all of the modern lingo like thrown in as well. That's similar. But then like The Great does really open casting with race. And I feel like in a sense, like the way that the characters end up being so sort of fluid in their sexuality and like everyone's just kind of open and accepting and it's just it is what it is feels like the great in a in like a different way but like a similar thing but I also felt like the show really it was like so masculine but in like a very real sense of like masculinity like showing all of the sides of like being a man and showing like how emotional men can be and i thought that the humor behind that that came through at points was really funny and also all of the violence is so hilarious like you can't even like get like grossed out by it because it's just so funny and yeah anyway i don't want to talk about it too much but those were like my first initial thoughts on watching it today so i appreciate i hadn't really thought of that i like at some point i realized like how male heavy the cast is which makes sense for a show about pirates but i hadn't really thought about like 
kind of the portrayal of all of these different like masculine you know personalities like and it's very sensitive and so that's something and that's kind of one of the things that the creator you know definitely played with was this idea of like sensitive piracy you know so I hadn't thought about that well do we want to just give like a basic overview of the show I don't know who wants to lead that so just to give you like a very small overview of the show which we've already talked about quite a bit so this is a show it aired at the beginning of march and over the course of three weeks it is a romantic comedy that centers on a fictional version of the historical gentleman pirate which was a nickname for a man named steed bonnet and the story centers around him and his crew on the ship the revenge so steed bonnet was landed gentry who was born in barbados and he left his family and commissioned a ship to be built and became a pirate even though he was bad at it And so that's kind of just like the very compact, like where the story starts. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about was sort of the blending of some like historical facts and then like just the layer of like silliness that's over top of it. So I don't know if you two, do you two want to add anything to the synopsis before I kind of talk about some of the historical stuff? I mean, that's basically it. I mean, his love interest is Blackbeard, which is another real life pirate i guess and each episode is pretty much like its own little story and like own little window into this world and the more you watch the more you kind of get i think it becomes obvious to you the blend of like reality versus like silliness i think that those two words like are the perfect juxtaposition for this show so and i would say not just reality versus silliness but reality versus well maybe not reality versus but i was questioning like the historical accuracy of a lot of things too just because it is presented in sort of this matter of fact manner whether it is based on something that really happened or whether it is something that's pretty silly that i was i caught myself a lot while i was watching the show going is that actually the way it happened or is there like is this based on a real person who really existed because i'm not like overly familiar with pirates but I at least knew some of the stories of Steed Bonnet and of Blackbeard. I actually had gone to Charleston, South Carolina um, right before Christmas last year and did a walking tour of the city where they talked about those two pirates in particular and a few others who had like ties to Charleston for like certain things. So I learned about them there and didn't even know that this show was going to be coming out a few months later but um, like I found myself putting together bits and pieces of what I remembered from that tour while I was watching the show and being like I I feel like that could be true but I didn't hear about that on the tour and like our tour guide didn't say that about that person but that might be real so anyway it's one of those things about anything in historical fiction or you know historical kind of non-fiction whatever you want to say that there's not great accounts of everything so you can't just kind of fill in the blanks and it is really neat mm-hmm. to think about the idea of these people or these situations you know being the way that they are presented in the show whether they actually are or not so most of the information that i sent to you two came from this biography that i bought a long time ago my family used to go down to north carolina to the outer banks for vacation Um, when I was a kid. And so Ocracoke Island is where Blackbeard was hanged. And so there's like a little bit of that kind of tourism. So I like picked up this book when I was down there. And it's a book that funnily enough was written by a guy whose name is Robert E. Lee. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that weird? (laughs) 
and he has like a bunch of sources but it's like a pretty old book like i think it might be from the 1970s and so that's where i was reading that right after i watched the show and that's kind of where we referenced we were like oh my like this person is a real person but all that to say when i was typing up this i did do like some fact checking just with like google and wikipedia but it's it just to, just to say that like i'm not like the most credible historical source but basically in the book it was like whenever these two pirates first met it was just that they got along and one of the things that i got the impression of also from the book was that blackbeard was like when he wasn't basically spreading terror he was just a very big personality so he really like could be very charming when he wanted to be and whenever he was on land you didn't really have a reason to fear him because he wasn't trying to like burgle you you know so it was kind of one of those circumstances where i think because steed he he was amused by steed because of his presentation because he was just didn't like look like a pirate because he was fat and he had you know a periwig and was dressed really fancy and so probably was just like this person looks ridiculous and but then when they got talking like they were both you know like blackbeard would have been a leader there was evidence that he was educated so the two of them just had stuff to talk about and basically there was just a comment that they were heard like laughing together like in the captain's quarters but i think pretty quickly after that blackbeard must have realized that this was someone that he could completely take advantage of and then he did so it wasn't like and <laughs> seed bonnet wasn't happy with him like after that point so i think too we talked about silliness and historical and i lean pretty heavy on the historical side of it and i think it's because i didn't want to spoil the romance for mm. anybody who hadn't seen it but i think the the history is interesting but i think it's also like it is a fantasy and the creator whose name's esca escaping me i think it's david jemison but he talked about one of the comments he wanted to put out there is I think that Taika Waititi and Reese Darby are so charming as their characters, but he was just like, just a reminder, you're not supposed to idealize these people because they were bad people. <laughs> and just like, you know, like Blackbeard did like, of course, you know, was very violent and, you know, fed women to his crew and Seed Bonnet was like a, a slave owner who actually did leave his family, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, and their goal was to steal things. So it... They weren't like good people. So as far as them, like initially they didn't like each other. And I think one of the biggest things we're talking about, like real versus not real, like obviously it is extremely unlikely that they were in any kind of romantic relationships. <laughs> you know, it just is like made up. That brings up an interesting question for you guys. How do you feel like these shows that really like play with the historical accuracy in a way that like is so far from how it would have actually happened? Like, do you think that there's a negative impact from that? Do you think that by, you know, having all of these queer characters and queer representation in a time period where that absolutely would not have been the case, does that take away from the history? Like, or does it somehow have a benefit? I don't know where you guys feel about that or if I'm even making any sense at all. Well, I think... I, I just want to put out there that even though it was unlikely that these two men were in a romantic relationship and because Blackbeard was such like a powerful person, he pretty much could hook up with almost any available woman that he wanted to probably on land. There was lots of gay activity happening at sea. I think historically, anytime you put, you know, lots of men on a boat together at sea, there's going to be some kind of gay relationship, maybe not long term. So I feel like even though it's not like real in that sense like it, there is some authenticity to the idea that you know homosexual relationships happen at sea 
Um, so that's kind of one thing. I feel like it honors that, even though it's just taking maybe the most interesting characters they could come up with to tell that story. Yeah, I think that's probably where I would land on it as well, is that these relationships probably did not happen the way that the show presents them, but that doesn't mean that they weren't happening at all, you know, with other people who are not actually featured on the show. You know, the real pirates on Steve Bonnet's boat probably were fooling around with each other, if we're being honest, and it's not something that society would ever allow back then, so there's probably no historical record of that actually, you know, of act instances of actual people doing those things. But I think to add to that, beyond the homosexual relationships, the character of Jim, who is non-binary, this is going to seem stupid, but it occurred to me while I was watching the show that this is taking place in the 1700s, and this character identifies neither with a male nor female gender. And I thought, people back then were non-binary. Like, it was, it honestly occurred to me that for the first time that, like, someone might have actually lived their life not feeling like they fit into either the male or female gender. And, like, of course, you know, when I sit down and think about it, it's like, yes, people for the entire existence of humanity have belonged in that in-between space and maybe society wouldn't let them belong maybe everyone on the pirate ship if jim actually existed would not have referred to them as they but there you know there were people for sure who lived their lives feeling like they did not belong in the box that society belonged in and you know that's something that still continues today obviously but it was just one revelation that i had about this show that was like mind-blowing to me whenever it actually occurred to me that like yes this is an example of a real person and the way that they might have lived their life and that was exciting to me I guess whenever I made that realization that was like Mm -hmm. yes queer people have always existed and the shape that their queerness has taken in their life might be different say in 2022 than it was in 1717 but that doesn't mean that that they were any less sure of who they were it's just a you know whether society was going to let them be the person that they knew that they were yeah and i just want to add to that because exactly what you're talking about cody there was a story i remember reading in some some book that i would have read when i was in north carolina but it was about Anne bonnie and mary reed the two like famous female pirates of that same like era of that same like few years and just about this interaction that they had and i don't really have like any historical evidence for this but the story that i remember reading was that like Anne bonnie you know was i don't know if she was a pirate captain but she was at least a, a powerful pirate and she you know was on a ship and there was this one other crew member that she really like had her eye on and she just kept hounding them and hounding them kind of pursuing them sexually and then it ended up being mary reed who was dressed as a man and mm-hmm. so it was basically like but it was kind of one of those things that Anne bonnie must have just recognized you know that there was something different about her and then mary reed kind of had to reveal herself and eventually they ended up both escaping being hanged because they were pregnant so it's kind of like one of those wow. it's just that you know i think there were probably women on ships who were you know hiding as men and just in, in all across society you know i'm sure that that happened and it would have been easier for women but maybe you know I, also very dangerous uh, if you would have gotten exposed i think like my initial thought when i started thinking about whether these historical reimaginings are helpful or hurtful, 
was to think that they might be more hurtful than helpful just because it is totally putting a gloss on like how people were actually probably treated and perceived in like their day-to-day life back then but then I started thinking about it like Cody kind of explained it and that those people have always exist like anyone who's different anyone who's other has always been there but there's never been media representing them until like the past what like 150 years and that's being generous and so in a way like I think it's hard especially if you're not like a super accepting person to really think about anyone different from you as being as real as you are because there is no like sort of historical context for that. And so when you have a show like this that really just like throws it all out the window and just like tells the story it wants to tell, in a way it's like kind of creating or recreating media that would have been made at that time if like those people could have ever told their stories Mm -hmm. and like left a record of it and if everybody could write and read (laughs) and like write write their stories so i ended up kind of coming down on the same side as both of you but i had never really thought about it in that way and i don't know i wanted to just add with that too that Another thing that I've always had in the back of my mind about the couples on the show, and you know, at one point in the synopsis I mentioned, I think there's what, like there are like four or five couples maybe that you see. Mm -hmm. And like three out of those four or five are biracial couples too. So Mm -hmm. it's like, that's also something, which I think in the Caribbean that probably would have been very common because it was like so many different cultures coming together. But that's also, you know, whether that's like historically accurate or not, it's like something that to me is just like cool, you know, to see depicted. Yeah, for sure. Like personally, I tend to always think of like those colonial times in America as just being all white people. But of course, there were slaves. There were people who might have come from other countries to start their own lives, you know, over again, so to speak. So it, I, I like that there might be a, a show that could be historically accurate in that way of depicting a wide array of races in a, a very real context. Something like The Great, I think, is probably different in that regard because it's... I think we can be pretty sure that it was all white people in Russia in 1800 or whatever it was. But I love that they do the race-blind casting because it just kind of allows the person who best can perform that role to do it. And there is so much value, I think, in allowing the best talent to get the role they deserve, regardless of what their appearance is, because our appearances really shouldn't matter whenever it comes down to being able to portray a character. I, I want to kind of go back to kind of addressing like what Elena was saying about the pilot and, you know, just one kind of aspect of my viewership of it the first time. And whenever Craig and I started watching it, I was just like, oh, it's a fun show about pirates, you know, and it was just very like, I was like, let's watch that. It's just like a good, like, you know, um, kind of humor humor break for maybe watching more like serious things. But Steed and his crew are characters for the first three episodes, but then his love interest, Blackbeard, doesn't show up until the fourth episode. Mm. So I think that's part of what makes it move slower in the beginning too, is because, you know, obviously Taika Waititi is very like charismatic and that character is very good and it starts to like move the plot forward. But I also, when he showed up in the fourth episode, I also thought that character was just showing up for like 
two episodes. Like, I didn't realize. Yeah, I was like, ooh, this is just like a special little thing that we get in the middle of this silly pirate show. So that was just like kind of for me, it was for a relatively short run, like 10 episode, you know, to have one of the main characters show up four episodes in, which I know does happen in some series, but I, it was just interesting. I don't know. It was different, kind of a slow burn there at the beginning. I think they did a really good job of like building the myth of Blackbeard in the episodes leading up to him like actually showing up and just like constantly because he is the pirate every person like knows the name Mm -hmm. and even within the show they kind of do that thing where like oh like oh I worked for Blackbeard no you didn't actually work for Blackbeard there's no way you worked (laughs) for him and like building this man up oh he's like just smoke and he's just like are his eyes floating? No, like I never said they were floating. They're just like, but his head is made of smoke or whatever. And they build this whole character up and then you meet him and you meet this like character who is so almost over being a pirate. And so it's just this like fun, like, oh, the ultimate pirate is questioning his life of piracy and like kind of just wants to be dead. And it's just like, it's, it's so fun and fulfilling to watch and i think you're right like he is such a big presence in the show but like they make his presence bigger by giving us that absence at the beginning yeah and that was one of the historical bits that i kind of loved learning and it's one of the it's one of the funny things that it's like reading about the historical blackbeard it's like it's always going to be a little bit disappointing because it's not it's not actually taika ytt playing blackbeard (laughs) historically which is better obviously but it just (laughs) Like, the fact that Blackbeard would actually, like, light, like, I don't know what it was, if it was, like, oiled or, like, tarred or something, like, a coil under the brim of his hat so he had smoke around his face and he would, you know, make, like, his, like, the reason that he had a black beard is just because it was, like, so big and bushy and, like, intimidating. Like, he just, part of what he did was he just looked scary so that then people mm-hmm. were, like... Ah, and just like gave him whatever he wanted and dropped all their stuff and ran away you know and that was part of so it was just interesting learning like yeah like that whole like cultivated image that was like he was a smart he was very smart as far as being a tactician because he was like he knew that he could just control with fear and i really like in the show there are those moments where like taika ytt playing him and he says at one point that it's like playing like someone who's like an animal you know and it just like those like crazy eye moments you know or things it's like versus you know reese darby who's so good at playing someone who's just like trying so hard to be polite and like (laughs) you know just get scared (laughs) at the idea of like a drop of blood being shed and like that that's such like a fun juxtaposition that they play with the whole way through i have to say i think one of my favorite scenes in the entire show is when Blackbeard is like trying to teach them about fuckery and he's just like descending as these like sparklers are going off on either side of him and this like I don't know if it was intentional or if they just didn't know how it was going to look on camera but like the sparklers that are going off look so unimpressive in that scene (laughs) and he's just like falling down it that made me laugh so hard yeah there are just so many like silly things which Makes me think, though, because uh, one of the things that we talked about is playing, guessing who your favorite characters are. Mm. So okay. I don't know if you two are ready. Okay. I are think you ready? I'm ready. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm <laughs> okay. going to do Cody's first. Okay. Okay. Um, the reason that I brought this segment in is just because it, it's like, okay, what is my favorite quote of the show? And it's related to this. So it's sort of a segue. But Cody, my guess is that your favorite is Spanish Jackie. Um. You are not correct, although I did love her. I thought she was a fun little, one of those pop-up 
characters that was just fun to encounter. Um, but I think... Okay, oh, wait, can I guess? Yes, you can. <laughs> is your favorite character Lucius? Mm, the scribe? No, he is not. Okay. Um, my favorite is Blackbeard. Because I just think well. that he has... I mean, maybe that's like a cop-out answer as, uh, you know, the main charismatic <laughs> no, that's guy. But honestly, I didn't guess main characters for either one of you, and but that's totally fair. I get it. <laughs> totally I just, fair. yeah, I just think that he has, like, like you guys said, so much, like, confidence and swagger. But he's like, almost exhausted by like the persona of Blackbeard that he has to convey to the world, yeah. and he's almost like buckling under the weight of everyone else's expectations of him and just sort of getting tired of having to keep that up. It would be a difficult status to maintain, I would say. And, you know, you're constantly <laughs> well, eluding, you know, law enforcement and trying to outdo yourself, I guess. And it, yeah, I get where he's coming from. <laughs> Well, and at the very end, I love that, or I think it's the second to last episode, he goes, I, I'm, I wasn't even Blackbeard anymore. I was Greybeard, salt and pepper beard. <laughs> uh -huh. After his like beard gets shaved off. It's like, you're right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And there, I was thinking too about like um, the theme song, because there is no theme song, but at the very beginning, Frenchie sings this song and it's basically like a pirate's life short but nice and it's thinking about the fact that like pirates didn't live long you know like in the the goal would be to like make enough money so that you could retire right like so you could go and like just take your money and squirrel away and be like wealthy but honestly someone like blackbeard it's like maybe in real life before he would have time to get burnout he would die you know and so that's always something that i have in the back of my mind but i think that that portrayal of you know, Blackbeard is really lends itself so well to kind of like that moment of like amusement when Blackbeard would have first seen Steed Bonnet and been like, what is this? You mm -hmm. know, this is new. But yeah, that idea of like him kind of falling in love with someone who is just different, you know, and bringing something mm -hmm. different onto the scene that is, yeah, not just violence and, you know, um, taking advantage of other people. But the way that then, like, those habits keep trying to, like, creep back in and, like, not, and then, you know, his first mate, Israel Hands, is there kind of as, like, the bad angel, you know, on his shoulder, just, like, anyway, trying to kind of get him to behave a certain way. Yeah, so I totally, I mean, he's my favorite, too, so I totally get why. why <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait, do me, do me. <laughs> okay, so yours, and, like, I immediately was, like, I think this will be Elena's favorite character. And so okay. I'm also, like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if I am wrong about this one, too. But I think okay. yours is Jim. Yeah, damn it. Okay. It's <laughs> zero Cody, for do you two. Have a, do you have a guess? For the record, my second favorite was Jim. So okay. for some reason, I feel like you would love Steed Bonnet's wife. I don't remember her name. Oh, my gosh. Mary. I I did really love her. I don't think she's my favorite, but I loved when she's like have has like the circle with all the widows and she's like, Don't ever feel that way. Uh -huh. Like the best thing that ever happened to me is my husband is dead. <laughs> I really think she has like some of the best quotes. She's definitely like one of my favorite characters too, I would say. And she just I kept thinking about like in the last episode, she's um you know, and this is full of spoilers for everyone, but she, you know, is going to, like, murder Steed. 
And, yeah. you know, he's just like, you are going to murder me by shoving a skewer through my ear hole? And she was just like, it's not that much more dramatic than running away to become a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and she just has a lot of, like... I don't know if you caught this, Cody, but the... The widow who has the cheetah is the woman who falls out of the window in Sex in the City. I don't think I did notice that. Kristen Johnston. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also on Third Rock from the Sun. That's what she's most famous for, which is a show that I love, of course. Yeah. No, I think my... I have, like... Can I give a second guess? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And this is another side character, so I know that it also might not be right. Um, Is it Roach? One of the crew members? No. Okay, I'm just gonna stop. Go ahead. (laughs) So I think like my favorite favorite character was Jackie, Mm. Spanish Jackie. Oh, that's so funny. I got you guys. Yeah, but I also, I mean, obviously, I loved Blackbeard, but I also really liked. uh, Is his name Izzy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I I liked him a lot too. But I liked everyone. There was really not a character that I didn't like other than Calico Jack, and you were supposed to dislike him, so... <laughs> I, and I'm glad you... The reason I wanted to move on to this segment, because, like, my favorite quote from the show that goes also goes through my head is, like, Spanish Jackie in her pub has a nose jar, and it gets broken by accident, and she is about <laughs> to, like, do something to Jim. You're not really sure if it's going to be violent or sexual, and she goes... She hears it crash, and she goes, My noses! And then runs out, and I just love that. My noses! <laughs> I also love, she says in that same exact scene to Jim, she's like, you're stiff in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good bits. I, I think too, we haven't mentioned Lucius, but he has a lot, like a lot of really funny lines. He's just, he's really good. And you know, there's kind of the cliffhanger at the end of like, are we going to see Lucius next season? Mm-hmm. But he's. I feel like he'll be back because that other guy like falls off the boat. The the cook falls off the boat and they're like, oh, he's dead. And then like at the end of the episode, he's just standing there with everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it is the kind of show that could just kind of get away with like no one ever really dying or just like people dying all the time, but then just coming back. Yeah, that part actually, that really, there's a lot of bits that get me, but the one where they're like, let's do whatever i forget what it's called but then they it's like yeah roach is like going out to jump off but he like jumps down and his ribs like hit the side of the boat and then he falls in (laughs) and will arnett's character's just like well who's next (laughs) just that just gonna move on my gosh and just kind of segueing into like when i was watching it like i said for like the first three scene episodes i was like oh this is just fun it's silly i like it then when blackbeard showed up i was like why like i was just i had seen taika waititi in um what we do in the shadows Mm -hmm. which cody i don't know if you've seen that movie yet but it's very funny i haven't watched the movie but i love the series yeah and it's it's like equally as good just a different format Mm -hmm. but he plays one of the vampires and so he's like one of the main characters in the movie but i never really i was like "Eh, he's obviously very talented but like and had directed movies but then seeing him as blackbeard i was just like I just, he just really trips my trigger. Like, there was just something, like, the magnetism <laughs> of that role definitely pulled me in. But I really, like, and as this relationship developed between these two characters, um, and I have to admit, like, my appreciation for Reese Darby as Steed, like, really grew, like, watching it over and over again yeah. and, like, realizing, like, I think because his character, I don't know, he just did a really good job in that role. But I think it's maybe just not as much like sex appeal necessarily. So it's like a little bit less like kind of shiny, but just like 
seeing how their relationship grew and how like sweet it was like it was just it was so sweet and of course they made like some sex jokes along the way but whenever the kiss scene came in the second to last episode i did not see it coming like it kind of blew my mind like because i thought it was queer baiting because i you know as a queer person I'm, I'm so used to just seeing queer baiting throughout my whole life, like seeing these different shows where it's just, you know, or movies where it's just like there is this like homoerotic relationship between these characters, but then nothing ever comes of it unless it's like, you know, an LGBTQIA film. But even those, they've always been like these weird films that were like off in the corner up until mm -hmm. recently, you know, like just like they were not good because they were <laughs> being made by like you know, big studios and things. So I really just, I just really thought this was queer baiting. And the thing, I think the show that I compared it to the most in my head was Hannibal, which is a great show, but is like very intentionally, you know, has Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham who are, are just in this very like charged relationship that feels erotic. And it's, but it's never, it's always subtext. It's never context. And so there's just that like, kind of that sense of like well they won't they will they won't they and they never do and that's like kind of just part of the show but so this was that's what i expected and so then when they ended up actually it became context i was like <sighs> like my mind was blown and i should have just maybe expected it from the fact that there were like other queer characters but so that's kind of why i really didn't want to like spoil it for other people because i was sort yeah. of like and i think i'm just also very gullible so i'm like i'm sure that other people did see it coming and it was just like i'm the one that's just like oh my god what it actually happens um and so i thought that that was really it was just like a special viewership experience for me but i also am somebody who am i'm like of this subsection of person maybe like i don't know i don't want to say it's just exclusively women but like really enjoys like co like romantic relationships between men like as a viewer and so it just is and that comes up in all sorts of different things you know there's all different kinds of media where you can see that but i can totally see it in the way that people love this show and like i think that there are probably a lot of women just like me who are just like oh my god you know just about this <laughs> couple like we just love this couple and like the explosion of fan art that came out of it is just so much fun to see like all of the different art pieces that people have done you know i included like i'm someone who historically has read some fan fiction and i can't say i have not read a ton of fan fiction for this show and some of that is because it is overwhelming like the amount that has come out like i don't know what the original number that i gave you two were for um archive of our own but the, now there's 9,187 stories. Wow. Yeah, and that's since March, you know? So that means almost 10,000 stories have been written, some of which are like chapters and chapters and chapters. Hmm. So it was kind of like, okay, even if the show doesn't get renewed, the story's going to be written. You know, like people are going right. to write the story. I don't know. And I, I guess I just want to throw this out there. This is That's kind of where I'm going to end that. But as far as like the last episode... I feel like the last episode was really good. Like they end up getting separated, but then you see this really sweet narrative um, between Steed and his wife where like they come to mm -hmm. terms with what happened. And like, I just think that whole bit was so good. And that was something that like Craig kept being like, that was like one of his favorite things about the show was how like, you know, they had split up, but then they come to terms both with like having these new partners. And I just, yeah. So I guess I'm curious what you two thought of the finale. I agree. I thought that now it has been a little while since I've watched it, so I don't remember a whole lot of specifics, but it did just feel like it left everyone in a 
a pretty good place. And I liked that, that it felt like a complete story had been told, but there's still so much more to the story that could be told, you know, like there are more mm-hmm. things that could always be explored there, but that it felt like the characters had done a, enough learning about themselves, I guess, to get to a place where they were satisfied, even if that's not the last place that we leave them. Yeah, I I liked the finale a lot, and I liked that he went back to his wife, because, like, the entire time he's haunted by these visions of his family, mm-hmm. and from his perspective, like, all she wanted was to be together, like, to be with him and to make the best of it. And maybe that is what she thought that she wanted, but obviously that wasn't the best course for either of them. And so for him to go back and you get to see this whole window into how her life changed and how much better her life is. And she actually ended up like living the life she wanted. What she says to her mom in the carriage on the way to the wedding is like, I wanted to marry for love. Oh no, that's for peasants. And then she does end up finding love and she ends up painting, which is something he never appreciated he thought her painting looked like a child's painting so it's like very nice to like wrap that up and that's something that i think the show did that i felt was really unexpected and they did this a few times throughout where you think like personally i thought that the whole plot line of blackbeard trying to like pull the wool over Steed's eyes and like kill him and maim him to look like Blackbeard and then like take over his identity. I thought that was going to last the entire season. And so the fact that that got wrapped up in season six, I think was, or season six, in episode six was really cool because then you're not like tense about it the whole time. Like it's resolved and there's a bigger kind of thing to worry about. But even with his wife, like that's a story that they didn't really have to go back to at all and they did and then now it's like resolved and nice and now in the next season you don't really have to worry about it and steed doesn't have to worry about it but the other thing i wanted to say going back to your thing about queer baiting i didn't think that they were going to kiss either and there was one scene in particular that made me think that if anything were to happen between them it wouldn't happen for quite some time and there, it's the scene where they're sword fighting. And it's just, like, so obviously, like, a stand-in for gay sex. <laughs> like, it's so phallic. And then, like, uh, Izzy is, like, listening to it. And he's like, oh, my God. And, like, they're, like literally, there's, like, penetration. And then it's like, oh, I'm just going to pull it out, like, really slowly. And it's, like, it's so over the top. And I just like that scene to me, I was like, oh, like, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get like so much of this like homoerotic like interaction. And then, you know, Calico Jack comes and they're throwing coconuts at each other, which I guess could be like a stand in for something. I don't know. And there's like, you know, all of that stuff happening and an open admission that they had like done stuff together. But like still you had not really actually seen any of that between the principal like kind of characters so i was also pretty surprised that it happened at all because i thought that it was going to be stretched out over a much longer period of time like even one or two more seasons before we would actually have something happen something that you said made me think and i i just double checked so um the creator's name is david jenkins and i was like i want to get this right but 
one of the things too he talked about was the bathtub scene and like how intimate like so they kiss in you know the second to last episode but then it's actually the scene where they're in the bathtub and blackbeard is talking to him about like his childhood trauma and basically admitting that he was supposed to kill him but doesn't want to and how that is really like a very like emotionally intimate scene you know and it's kind of cool I just also to get that between men and there is I, I totally get what you mean because I felt the same way I was like oh this is this is what we're gonna get you know and I think when you walk watch back like through and there's also even just people didn't want to rewatch the show there's like lots of people did like cuts like of on YouTube you know different things and but you see like all of these sweet little like things you know the like little romantic bits like there's whenever they go it's actually my least favorite episode but the one where they go on the ship of the rich fancy people mm. and i just can't deal with nick kroll and Kristen shawl in that episode <laughs> they're just so cringe <laughs> to me that i'm just like oh my gosh like i always like just don't pay attention during that part whenever i'm rewatching it but then when they're back under the sh on the ship in the moonlight blackbeard goes to kiss him and chickens out like and kind of like so it's just interesting like but of course, I think that's just that sense of you feel like it's going to be the will they won't they like you're just going to get teased the whole way through. I feel like the show is almost like a gift. Like it's like a gift for like Renfair nerds who love <laughs> being queer and watching queer things. It was like they just took it and like wrapped it up and was like, here you go. This is for you out there. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for this and I didn't even know. And I feel like there was no warning i guess that there was going to be that much you know of a queer focus to the show like i never would have guessed based on any of the promotional materials or anything that that was all there waiting to be discovered and talked about um but it's i think that's part of the appeal of the show for me is that it does present it so like matter of factly it's just like yeah here are some queer people and they're just living their lives and they happen to be queer and so what like that's the way that it should be you know we shouldn't have to have movies made specifically for a queer audience about specifically queer themes they should just be allowed to pervade everything in society because queer people do pervade yeah. everything in society and not pervade in like a it's a pervasive problem that we need to do anything about of course but it's like yeah we're here we're queer get used to it like that's <laughs> for real that's the you know the way our world is and i just love that the show did not make a big deal about any of it but it was just like it was just happening hi cody hi. sorry i just texted you i don't know if you saw it um my laptop battery died because i forgot to charge it before oh. i got on here okay. and so depleted completely and I didn't notice until it just shut off on me. So I'm sorry for ruining things. Uh where do we wanna go from here? Maybe do you wanna do you wanna just talk about what you think is gonna come in season two or what you hope comes in season two? I think uh -huh. the thing that really is on the minds of people who love the show is just what is the reunion gonna look like? Because um, Blackbeard, like, you know, went full force to the dark side. And so it's kind of like, because he doesn't know what happened with Steed and Steed did kind of chicken out on him. But like, I, I just feel like that sense of like, first of all, him, them having to find one another again. And then the fact that Blackbeard is super angry because he went you know to this 
went out on a limb, you know, for the man that he loved, and then he just disappeared on him. So yeah, just wondering what that what that's gonna look like if he's gonna lash out and how long it's gonna take to get them back to a get them back to like the fun part. Mm -hmm. you know like how long is that gonna take that's what i'm worried about is like i i feel like so many shows that have this sort of romantic focus in the second season will introduce like a another romantic interest you know Mm -hmm. and i really hope that doesn't happen and actually as you were talking earlier about the two like female pirates i was like oh this show would have been so cool if each season like focused on a completely new group of characters Mm -hmm. and maybe you saw like some of the other characters you'd like checked in with them or like came across their ship or whatever but like if you kind of shifted focus because i'm just i I trust them because I feel like they have kind of broken expectations already, but I also am just so scared they're going to do something that is so, like, cheesy and dumb and, like, I don't want to see, like, Steed, like, meet another man. It's never going to feel as good, even if the other person is incredible. So I'm curious. I kind of hope there's, like, a big kind of chase almost that they like kind of spend most of the season like trying to catch up with Blackbeard and he keeps like moving away from them and there's this element of like always just like missing him and then I don't know maybe like Steed gets hurt or something and Blackbeard happens to like hear about it and comes back or something but I'm really excited to see more because I feel like this is the kind of show that could really run forever like there's so much you can do with this concept and so much you can explore and there's so many side characters you could keep building and bringing back like i love jackie so much but i also love like all the people on the episode you didn't like like all of the like aristocratic people are so annoying but i would love to just see them pop up again yeah i agree i think one of the things that i like the most about the show is that it does feel like anyone can just pop in for an episode and play a really fun interesting side character and sometimes that you know, one-off character could pop back up and, like we said about Blackbeard, turn into, like, a main focus of the show. Like, it's just the kind of show that feels like it has no rules kind of in that way, where people could just sort of pop into its orbit and, you know, stay if it makes sense, or just, you know, pop back out if if that's not where the story is going. But I agree. I think that the idea of you know, the chase between these two is probably something they could get some mileage out of in season two. And I would love to see more characters that sort of, more new characters that sort of bring that story even further. I also would like to see more of the backstories of some of the characters that we already have, because we got, you know, several of those in the first season, but I think there's still so much that we can learn about the characters that are already there, so I hope that they would take the time to do that a little bit more. Um, Wanted to mention, too, I think one of the concerns that I've had is, like, the part where, like, you know, um, Jim is, like, kidnapped by Blackbeard's by Blackbeard and his crew. And so that's kind of like a scary moment for me, like seeing like Jim and then kind of having, I think it's Ivan that's standing there, you know, kind of then guarding the room. And it's kind of this intimidating, like, okay, is this like keeping Jim in the room? Is this, you know, going to be sexually assaulting Jim? Like, what is this? But then I have this realization where I was like, 
but it's Jim. Jim doesn't have to be afraid because they kick ass and they can throw knives and like, you know, so I'm just like, I think it'll be okay, you know, sort of that realization. But to your point about bringing in a third character, I feel like that would just be so terrible if they brought in another romantic interest i think that would be so bad and i feel like they already kind of did that with the calico jack just because it was like an old like an old flame like old friend so hopefully that's as far as that goes but i think it's because like the the love between them is really like what kind of fuels i think the like all of it's so wonderful and charming but it's like definitely that's like fueling the fan base so it's like hopefully they do like kind of stay true to that and write it well but yeah, I'm with you. I think it'd be fun to like meet some new characters, bring in some other like funny celebrities, like bop around the Caribbean a little bit more. You know, I think that would all be good. So yeah, I I like I want Leslie Jones to be in it more because she just I know. You know she's so great. I want a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when I go. saw her in the corner in the first episode, <laughs> I was or that first episode she was in, I was like, yes, <laughs> so good. Oh. Yeah, I do hope there's more female characters, but I feel like we'll at some point get like a whole pirate ship just like filled with lesbians or something like that, and it will Hopefully be. We'll get Anne Bonnie. You know, I, I just think it's absurd that there hasn't been like a major depiction of her in pop culture. Like, I just sort of am like, and I don't know, I didn't keep watching the Pirates of the Caribbean movies because they were bad, but I know that Penelope Cruz was in it as a female pirate. And so I'm like, I don't know if that character was, like, based on that at all, but I just feel like it would be super cool if, like, Blackbeard, like, or Steve, like, one of them, like, runs into Anne Bonnie. It would be so cool. Mm-hmm. You should well, write to the show writers and the um, creators. I need to do that. Let you them should. know that there's all just... this historical territory to mine. And I'll just burn the paper a little bit on the corner, so, like, I'm pulling out to <laughs> make it look like a treasure map. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Uh, that'll wow. be convincing <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us today I feel like this was a special episode I'm happy about it yeah. thank you so much for letting me do this with you of course. of course I'm so happy that you wanted to so glad that you like what we do here enough to want to be a part of it for one thing but I think that you um, probably found a lot of stuff in this show that I don't know if either of us would have, you know, found on our own if we just had a conversation, the two of us. And yeah, I think we definitely. Had some great talking points here. So thank you so much for your contributions. And I will continue to be an avid listener of Televisionary. And I tell everyone about it. I'm like, I really do. I'm like, my friends have this podcast about like TV shows. <laughs> like, and I'll start talking about you and like some opinion of some TV show or like, I've heard about this. So I really try it. I'm trying to make you mainstream. So I'll keep at it. I love that. Oh, well, thank you. We appreciate those efforts. And for anyone else listening who does not tell everyone they know about this podcast please start immediately yes and if you want more televisionary content go check out our tiktok at televisionary pod the instagram is at televisionary podcast but lately i've been way more active on tiktok so there's a lot of stuff there and it's wide ranging and usually like a miniature version of an episode with just me and not Cody. So I guess if you hate me, don't go listen to it. But no, please do go listen to it because <laughs> yeah, Elena is making some great content over there. I've made a couple of things when I've had time. Yes, um, but hopefully Cody will we'll be, be there able more. to start doing more. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've just had a lot going on 
I know. Smarty pants. I'm almost a master now. <laughs> He's almost graduated. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for okay. listening. Yes, thank you so much. Again, I've been Cody Hoffman. I've been Elena Hillard. And I've been Gabby Kennedy. <laughs> Bye! Bye! Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!